Flip a little bit. Flip a little bit of your pins for me. I can't remember if this is the last one we recorded pin. or the last one that came out Give that you a did this bit up top. Of your but like, R.I.P. To our listeners. Why do people listen to this show? Hey guys, go on and go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a pin. review telling you why the yeah. fuck you listen to Give this a show. Pinball your love to me. I Hi. really thought this was going to be a pinball wizard bit, and then you just decided to do a callback that I barely even remembered. You know, um, ever since I was a young boy, I'd been dreaming about doing bits about the silver balls. Okay, stop. Hi, <laughs> welcome to the podcast I think you'd be into it. I'm your host, Beth Scorzato. And I'm your other host, Tommy. No, uh, no I'm, I'm your other host, Brandon Beck. Um, and joining us today is a longtime friend of the show, longtime friend, collaborator, uh, sketch teammate of mine, uh, friend to man and beast, Alex Vaughn. Alex, welcome to the show. <laughs> I I like that I'm a friend to man and beast. Yep. I am indeed. Mm -hmm. All of God's creatures. <laughs> Good to be here with them. Uh, how, how you doing? It's It's been a minute since we've uh, properly chatted, uh, probably because the world was ending. Right, which is going to make this podcast like all the more raw, because it's like, hey, here's this thing, but also like, how are you? Yeah, right? We've done a lot of those this year. <laughs> yeah. The the first ones that we recorded at the beginning of quarantine was just a lot of like Oh no. You you good you good? Cuz we're we're good. Uh We'd just hop on and be like, "Hey guys, how are you?" and they'd be like, "Uh, I mean." And it's like, "Well, I mean, I know terrible, but like other than that." <laughs> it's like, "How's your quarantine going?" "Oh, pretty good. How about yours?" "Well, LA's on fire, so uh double apocalypses today." But let's talk about why I'm really into bologna sandwiches. Yeah, right? <laughs> bologna sandwiches which we can't get at the store because there's no food at the store. <laughs> oh, my God. I like that uh, the small traumas that we've endured over the last like year and a half are like already like fodder for yeah. like dumb little bits. And they're adding up to one bigger trauma. <laughs> yeah, I know. What else? What else can we do except like laugh about it what else can we do but do a little bit no. Oh, no do a little bit about the things we feel haven't you missed the comedy theater haven't you missed sketch teams uh no it's uh, no no comment hey uh yeah. yeah that's that's uh that's that's a different topic for another time i don't think that i am going to be i mean i i'll be i'll be over there but i i think that my my time on stage at the comedy theater in question is probably over i think that's fair yeah i think that's i mean we i'm i'm on one of the 
I am on one of the like committees at the pack. I mean, we talk about the pack on here all the time and like, oh, okay, cool. This isn't like, this is, I don't think this is like talking out of school. I think it's just the reality of like, as we talk about, we had like a big admin meeting last week and as we talk about, and I'm sure a lot of theaters are having these conversations as we talk about reopening, we have to like realistically evaluate like who's still in LA. If they are still in LA, do they want to be doing free sketch comedy anymore? Do they have that kind of time? Do they have that kind of bandwidth in their life? So like, all I think live theater and all comedy is going to look different coming back because the players are hugely like so many people just left LA like we when we were having the meeting like the the person who's in charge of sketch teams who you guys both know was like yeah I'll have to send out an email and see like who's even still interested in being on a house team before we can like figure out what we're doing with house teams which is like I don't think telling a secret like that's the obviously the logistical next step. <laughs> like so they did have Haymaker executed in the uh the back of the theater. Yeah, I well that was I think that was a long time coming. Like even before pandemic, I feel like Oh yeah. Hay- Haymaker has been dead since right before quarantine from what I've gathered. <laughs> um yeah, I just love that that person is so immediately pragmatic like about everything. I can't really like access that part of my brain all the time, but they're just like, "Nope, this is how it's gonna be though you you and i um because we were on a sketch team together called uh gunslinger oh yes uh, which had its speaking moments. of r.i.p yeah speaking <laughs> of r.i.p which which had its moments R- really really stacked team of talented people that maybe didn't fully gel as a squad yeah it was it was a we were we were a squad of uh problematic bachelors uh that uh was was constantly on the prowl for for the the edgy side of comedy and, yeah uh, i think that eventually reached it's uh yeah somehow every sketch just ended with will morgan taking his dick out uh, mm-hmm. I I think it, uh, I think <laughs> I probably did that more than Will Morgan did. There was there's there were definitely plenty of cum jokes. Well, during my year on the team, Will did, but I think you, from what I heard, your dick was out more before I joined the team. It's good to know yourself and admit these things. I uh, I still get like frequent like Facebook reminders like every every anniversary of the uh, upside down boy bit that I did like three years ago. <laughs> Alex Kid will like. Will uh, will send me some message, which is like, you know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> so at least I have like permanently comedy scarred one person out there in LA. Well, you and I were. I I was primarily a writer for Gunslinger, so I wasn't really in sketches all that much. But I was in a sketch with you that was the most stressed out and miserable I've ever been on stage in my entire life. And I knew it. I was watching. I happened to be in the front row watching this one. And the whole time I was just like, he is miserable. Yeah, it sucked. Um, It was a sketch about. <laughs> Which the made in- the, sh- the sketch funnier for me. Oh, yeah. It was a sketch about the invention of the contact lens. Oh, my God. I do remember that sketch. Where you and I were the scientists who were inventing the contact lens. Um, and we kept dropping them as we were trying to put them in our eyes. And then just wound up putting glass in there instead and getting blood. So it was all things Brandon hates. Not wearing his glasses, acting, getting fake liquids on him. You you re- remind me, you, yeah, you did not write the sketch. This was Dan Duddy that wrote it, right? Yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was Dutters. That was a Duddy joint. But, like, there's a photo of me somewhere backstage afterwards just covered in blood and giving a thumbs up but it is the most angry i have ever looked in a photo oh my god yeah that that, i remember coming backstage right afterwards and bringing you into the bathroom to help clean you off yeah but you were a good sport 
you did it. For those in the the the, the listenership that are not familiar with the sort of like a like a, let's just like see what happens kind of work ethic of like most of any kind of comedy, but particularly sketch comedy, it's just like all right, we're here. We're you know, at least the teams that I've been on, it's just been like we'll 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 do it on the night. We'll do it on the night, and. Uh, I just remember like having such a bad vibe off of that sketch. It was a funny sketch on paper. It was like stupid. It was messy. It was fun. But then it was just like, ah, oh, there's going to be a lot of mess. And like whenever there's mess involved and it's kind of like, we'll, we'll figure it out on the night. It's either like the best fucking thing in the world or it's terrible. And it, that just went the other way. And I do remember, uh, I, you know, we had these like, um, cellophane, I think they were like, actually like, uh, like sandwich bags that Duddy had like tied off with like yeah. rubber bands that we were like popping for like the blood moments where like we we're sticking glass in our eyes because it was like you know we had sat on the contact lenses or like stepped on them and so we were just trying to like get them back in our eyes because we couldn't see because they had fallen out and and uh and then the glasses go into our eyes and then we we're like supposed to be like bleeding from the eyes like lol big fun but like the first blood bag that goes off just like shoots across my face and like directly onto uh, Will Morgan. And like Will, Will Morgan and I uh, like really, really fun friends now since we've done uh, Gunslinger and then de- Detention. But like he was just like so fed up with everything. And like I could hear him under his breath just go, <sighs> Vaughn's a piece of shit. <laughs> just loud enough for like the front row to hear and i was like i was like trying to keep it together because i thought it was (laughs) i thought it was funny but like you know like he like it 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 was a terrible thing to happen to him and i was just trying to like get through the sketch so there were so many moving like stress pieces through there that i was just like i just want this to be over man oh yeah i mean you guys (laughs) had quite a few uh good good sketches that just became more and more about you guys trying to keep it together like the the one with jesus and the crab titties or whatever i don't even know what was happening in that sketch i can't even explain it you mean you mean jesus titty fucking christ yeah 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 that that was a will morgan joint for sure that was one that i just watched an entire group of people trying so hard to keep it together and losing it on stage. <laughs> that sketch went on for five minutes before the title character even showed up on stage. That's true. And then that went on for six more minutes. That's the beauty of live comedy, and that's shockingly what we've missed and are trying to get back to. But yeah, right? um, before we can do that, I think we should talk about things we're into this week. I got one. I got one. I got go, one. Go. I got one. Can I go? Can I go? go. I got one. I got one. Okay. Oh my god, please. There's a little movie that came out in the 1970s. Oh, I know this. Oh, no. Called Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, boy. Starring Mr. Burt Reynolds, uh, the lovely Miss Sally Field. Not what you think, somehow. uh, The hilarious Mr. Jerry Reed, a good dog named Fred, and uh, Jackie Gleason is Sheriff Buford T. Justice, um, which is a classic movie that, like, as I've watched it again recently, it has a couple, like, shockingly sort of, like, gender-forward, like, little a couple like queer forward moments in it which Weird. is strange it, throughout the movie they meet up with a bunch of other truckers and like only one of them is a white dude the rest are, are like an old lady or like two african-american guys who who have a cb radio in a hearse for some reason or like <laughs> a clearly like queer coded uh lesbian woman a bunch of a bunch of prostitutes that uh Smokey gets to, uh, or that the bandit gets to make uh, 
seduce a bunch of cops that are on his tail. Um, but yeah, Smokey and the Bandit, classic, fun movie. Uh, not as sexist as I remember it being either, though still pretty sexist because it was a Burt <laughs> Reynolds movie from the 70s. And there's, there's in fact, one moment where he's sneaking away from some cops uh, and he's driving over like some grass quietly in the middle of the night, looks straight at the camera, winks, and then keeps driving. And it's maybe the most charming thing that's ever happened on, on screen. But the thing I'm not – Smoking the Bandit isn't what I'm here to talk about today. Oh. The thing I'm here to talk about is Smoking the Bandit 2, which is <laughs> – Yeah, see? So I said. It's not going where you think. One of the single most insane films I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not just saying that because over the course of my Smoking the Bandit double feature, I watched three – I, I drank three margaritas and smoked a whole joint. Meanwhile, I'm sitting at my desk in the same room trying to work. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I turn around. I'm like, how long is Smoking the Bandit? Are you still watching this movie? I feel like it's been three hours. And he's like, no, I'm watching the second one. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Okay, I'm going back to work. Bye. <laughs> so Smoking the Bandit, uh, there are just so many things about Smoking the Bandit 2 that are just buck fucking wild. I mean, it starts off... By presupposing that the thing we liked about the original Smokey and the Bandit was the characters, and that what we wanted to see was the characters hanging out, not just some, like, cool car chases, Burt Reynolds winking at you, and then Jerry Reed going, come on, son, you gotta do it, um, and then talking to his dog. Uh, so Smokey and the Bandit 2 is about Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed and uh, Sally Field trying to transport an elephant from Miami to the Republican National Convention in, in Texas in nine days. The first 20 minutes of the movie, uh, it's them doing Scooby-Doo. Then it's a bunch of elephant hijinks. Um, when you first find out about this elephant, it pops out of a shipping crate, flips Burt Reynolds into the air, and he lands perfectly on his back and then rides the elephant like a horse. Dom DeLuise shows up as an Italian elephant doctor <laughs> uh, who just chills in a oh, shipping yeah. crate with this uh, with this elephant. Like, you can't really be racist against Italian people because we're white, but if you could be, it would be whatever Dom DeLuise was doing <laughs> while yeah. playing this elephant doctor. Yeah, old, old DDL is the elephant doctor. By the end, there are three Jackie Gleasons. Explain. He's playing himself and his two brothers. That's it. That's yeah. all you need to know. Yep. Uh, Jackie Gleason, of course, uh, playing, uh, saying the role of Sheriff Buford T. Justice. Um, he calls in his backup, which is his Canadian Mountie brother. And his, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, like gay Kentucky Colonel brother, maybe? <laughs> who has like a weird sidekick. They all have weird sidekicks. Apparently the Mount, the, the Canadian is a, a variation on a character Jackie Gleason played on his TV show. But so like by the end, there's like multiple Jackie Gleasons running around. There's an elephant. Uh, it is just so bananas. Um, and just truly one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Uh, while also, like, you can tell that Burt Reynolds just really didn't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so every every line has that sort of, like, 
I was contractually obligated to do this. Yeah. It's like it's like if you ever watched uh Star Wars Rebels uh in the pilot, Oscar Isaac is there as Poe Dameron and it's clearly like, okay, they, they got one one cold read out of out of uh Lewin Davis and then he was out. Or just like Harrison Ford and the entirety of The Force Awakens. Oh yeah. Or just Harrison, <laughs> or just Harrison Ford post nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I was gonna say Harrison Ford in any movie made after the year two thousand. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> ben, there's beer in Texarkana. We gotta get that. We gotta get that beer from Texarkana. Big Enos and Little Enos need it. Now you listen to me. Snowman, we're home. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what Stupid. I'm into this week. Uh Smokey and the Bandit 2, sadly not starring Harrison Ford. Oh. Hey, they've started shooting Indiana Jones 5. So he's willing to do some things for the money. Yeah, but I don't think it'll be as insane as Smokey and the Bandit 2. Is Indiana Jones 5 going to have three Jackie Gleasons? No. Or the Republican no. National Convention? Well, yeah. uh, may- maybe. We'll yeah. see. Though he did keep calling it the GOP National Convention and I was like he was like, yeah, they're they're on their way <laughs> when Brandon Well, that's what it said ex- on the wiki. When the brand, I know, but when Brandon was first explaining the movie to me, he was like, and they're trying to take an elephant to the GNC. And I was like, like, the vitamin company? <laughs> and yep. he was like, no, like the the, the grand old, like the, the Republican. Con- I was like, oh, the RNC? <laughs> they don't call it the GOPNC. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but the last thing I will say about the entire Smokey and the Bandit oeuvre, actually two things. Um, yeah. One... I think the theme song to Smoking the Bandit 2, Texas Bound and Flyin', might be a better song than the original Eastbound and Down, which I know, coming from me, sounds in- sounds insane, but it very well might be it true. Doesn't and- ha- they're the same song. They're the same song. They're the same <laughs> song with different lyrics. One is in E, one is in D. They're the same song. One is in E, one is <laughs> in D. You can't say one is better than the other because they are literally the same song. Well, no, I, I can because the... Texas Bound and Flyin' has an entire verse dedicated to explaining how good and memorable the plot of Smoking the Bandit 1 was. Yeah, that's because it wasn't, and they had to remind people in the song. But it's still the same song with different lyrics. I don't know. I mean, I feel like he was right. Smoking the Bandit's a tale you'll never forget. Every time you hear an engine scream and whine, you'll have to think about old Bandit, old Buford, Frog, and Fred, and Snowman. Their story's a legend that'll live on in time. I mean, it, it feels pretty self-explanatory to me. <laughs> I'm really shocked I got all of that right in one breath. That'd be like that'd be like saying that you you prefer Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to the alphabet. They're the same song with different lyrics. Well, no, but Twinkle Twinkle Little Star goes dun 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 dun. dun. But uh, but the other one goes dun 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 dun. dun. They're different no. different songs. Um, but the, the very last thing about the original Smoking the Bandit, and then I'll I'll shut up about Smoking the Bandit at least for this episode. Maybe you'll shut up about it to Vaughn, but I'm still gonna have to hear about it all day. <laughs> I love the fact that the plot of the original Smoking the Bandit is dependent upon you needing to know where it was illegal to sell Coors in the 1970s. Uh which is just beautiful to me, I think. <laughs> all right. So yeah, specifically Smoking the Bandit too, but uh, also all that other shit about the Smokies and the Bandit. I haven't watched three. I've heard three isn't particularly good. It was gonna be Jackie Gleason both as Buford T. Justice and the Bandit, but they shot it and realized it didn't work, so they put Jerry Reed in there instead, oh my and God. they got Burt Reynolds for a one scene, like dream scene cameo at the end. <laughs> All I know about that movie is what I've learned from uh, Bill and Ted's 
bogus journey. There's a, a Smokey and the Bandit three reference. Is there? I think I think it's like Death's favorite movie is is Smokey and the Bandit three. Smokey is the Bandit. Yeah, <laughs> that I can I can see that. I can see I can see William Sadler, uh, straight up saying that line. Yeah, Smokey is the Bandit. Yeah, that's a hundred percent what it is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking it up. Uh, what movie is Station trying to act out in the game of charades? Smokey and the Bandit three. Smokey is the Bandit. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it's it was a bummer that when Primus shows up at the end of that movie, they aren't playing the theme to Smokey and the Bandit three, which is, which is, um, yeah. See, would you know? Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Great. Love this silence. Not at all. Not at all. Oral poison. It's not a Jerry Reed song. I know that much. Oh, I think it's called like. Oh, it's called Bandit Express by Lee Greenwood. It's fine. Okay. It's fine, but it's Great. not a Jerry Reed song, and oh, I don't care if it's if it's not. Anyway. So that's our episode on Smoking the Bandit. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. If people want it's to find more of your content on uh, the internet, how could they do that? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go Just go to the uh, Smoking the Bandit Part 3 Wikipedia page. Exactly. Hell yes. What about you, Alex? What are you into this week? Um, I am into a couple things, but, uh, as many of your listeners may be aware, LA has like fully reopened. So yeah, just hold on real quick relevant because these don't come out immediately when we record them. The day we are recording this y'all, it is yesterday was the official like reopening day in LA where like restrictions were lifted. You could eat inside, you can go in a bar. So like, this is brand new for us while we are recording. (laughs) June 15th, if you're the calendar kind person and it's been real nice to go out and like have a drink indoors with your mask off especially because it's fucking 100 degrees outside yeah i mean i i just recently took a trip back home to dc in maryland and uh things are already like much more relaxed there i think they've been more under control for a little while and you know the the pandemic's been ramping down in a big way uh, but out here in California, it's been um, kind of, a, you know, a bigger state, but like we're we're reaching numbers where uh, things are like kind of cool again. And it's weird because everybody's got, you know, different levels of anxiety about going out to the world, um, you know, pandemic aside. And um, it's just been this interesting sort of like dance of like getting back into some of these old rhythms. And I've found that like just being around people sitting down having like a small drink in front of me in a bar is like something that like I really enjoy having in my life. And it's been weird not being around it or having that sort of like social outlet. I am, I'm a person that is like totally driven by new people and experiences and and being in the moment. And uh, that is something that I have very, very uh, deeply missed uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for real. We're supposed to be going out and seeing people later tonight. We'll see what happens. See how much work I get done. Good luck. Have fun. I feel like I, I also cheated because I um, w- just finished the, uh, performing in the Stranger Things live experience, the, the drive-in to experience. It was in downtown LA since like November. It, it just closed in June. Yeah. And uh, doing that show um, in the middle of December when it was like peak COVID in LA and it's like, 
it was like one of the only things that you could do outside of your house for like three months. It was so strange because, you know, we're there and like, you know, we have masks on, but we're like in proximity of, of other people. It's like there's social distancing, but during the show, just with choreography and, and, you know, performance, it's like, you're, you're coming within distance of other people. There's just this like, like, awful blanket of like kind of like ah, i don't know if i should be here for for honestly like 20 dollars an hour it was not necessarily my favorite thing but because i went through all that i feel like there's a lot of like uh returning to normalcy kind of anxiety that i just like don't have right now so i'm like i'm ready to go I get that. I, I have that too. I, I feel I, I similarly have that like kind of guilt of like I have so many friends that are like like so there's actually up in North Hollywood there's a bar that you have to be vaccinated. You have to like buy a membership. It's like a private club they're calling it. So you have to buy a membership and you have to prove you're vaccinated to be able to go. And that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know how long it's going to last but I do have a friend who like I actually we ran into her there last week because she was like, this is the first time I've left my house. This is only the second time I've left my house in like a year. I live down the street from here and this is the only place I feel comfortable coming because I know everybody's vaccinated and like she has an immune disorder and like her anxiety is absolutely justified. But there was a part of me that felt really bad because she'd like people. I have so many friends that are like, I haven't been out of my house in like a year and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I've been working since like September. So like. I don't have that same anxiety. Like I've had so many COVID tests because I had to work. Like I, when, and a similar thing, like when you're a stagehand, like, yeah, we can stay six feet away from each other until somebody needs you all to lift a piece of trust. And then, yeah, you're going to get as close as you need to get. So nobody dies. Right. (laughs) So like, I get it. I get that like dichotomy of being like, Oh, I should be more anxious about this. But like, I kind of burned out my anxiety in the process of working at the height of the pandemic. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's fair. Only leaving your house twice or like 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 once before. And then like that's like I, I understand like I have some friends that are also like immune compromised and have been very like careful about it and, and have not left that the vicinity of their houses that much. But like who it's like uh, that's that's a different that's a different thing. Yeah, it's just weird because I just had like such a different experience because I had to keep going out to work. But hey, anyway, guys, we can go to a bar again. So we'll we'll do that soon. Yay. This week I am into and I mentioned this on our last Twitch show, which so only like three people saw it. So it's fine. Um, although actually I'm, this is probably an end of show announcement, but I'm going to slot it in here and I'll mention it again. But we are not going to be doing our live show Twitch on the pack anymore. Um, but we may be bringing it back in a different format later this year on the Indiesaurus Twitch. So uh, that's pretty cool. But thanks for people who turned in for that. It's always fun to hang out on the pack Twitch, but uh, we didn't want to keep like taking a spot from you know uh, other shows that would probably fit better with the uh, programming over there than our live, not necessarily comedy podcast. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so. I, th- I think I'm funny, but I don't know if this is necessarily a comedy show. <laughs> Stay tuned for more information about that. But uh, I have been into, I've, I randomly uh, realized that um, Farscape, all four seasons of Farscape are on Amazon Prime. So I've just been rewatching Farscape while I work. Um, and it is... I, I, I had watched some of it in passing. It's not something like, like, I know I've talked before about Stargate on the show and how I have like a deep familiarity with that. And I've watched the first, I've watched it like many times, but this, I have only ever seen a few in passing, but I decided to watch it through. And it's like, 
it's so the Brian Henson show, <laughs> like um, much more so, I think, in the first few seasons as it's going, it's getting like weirder and darker and more convoluted. And like as much as it's a sci fi show, like and I think it ends up being kind of talked about in the same sentence as things like, you know, Babylon 5 and Stargate and all those other shows, because it was a sci fi show that came out in 1999. So while it is very much like contemporaneous to them, it is a lot darker in the way that like Brian Henson shit was kind of weirdly dark, like dark crystal shit. And like, um, like they swear a lot. Like I can't even remember what channel this was on. I don't even know if it aired in the U S as it aired. Cause it was technically Canadian and Australian and it all shot in Australia, which is why all the aliens have Australian accents. Um, oh. uh, and like uh, there's all these Muppets, which is kind of cool. Uh, there's definitely like one alien species that I was watching it and I was just like, that's a leftover Skeksis puppet. You can't fool me, Farscape. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's been really interesting because it's it goes to like kind of fucked up places a lot more than I remember or was expecting. And while it is ultimately like a show about like just found family and sci-fi nonsense it also like they they like swear and people die many times and like somebody has his mind taken over and like goes crazy and like there's like all kinds of like very serious bizarre things that these actors are asked to do to give like believable human performances while wearing these like incredible prosthetics but so like all of every performance is like the most over the top it can possibly be <laughs> like regardless of character and it's super fun i'm enjoying rewatching it um but like oh it's God. definitely a it's definitely a show that had 24 episodes because it had to have 24 episodes not every season <laughs> Not every episode and every season is a banger. There are some that you're just like, oh, God, this season could have been 13 episodes and it would have been fine. And don't, uh, and it being so hinsony, didn't they bring in Pepe the Prawn as like a character in the last season? No. <laughs> Did they nail down which uh, which alien race he was? He's whatever Gonzo is. We can't answer what free, what Gonzo is. That would ruin it. He's from that like P-Funk planet. <laughs> yeah. I remember just this being like uh... – I've I've watched maybe like five minutes of Farscape in my entire life. I just remember it being like the the spooky like sci-fi show that, that would come up on like Sci-Fi Channel. It's like it it had like a like a similar sort of font to um, Sliders, uh, which yep, was like yep, kind yep, of yep. on like in a similar time frame, and um, I just remember it being like. Like, is this Babylon Five? And it's like, no. There's like, like, uh, the creepy like uh, guy who's like in like all latex. I don't remember who that is. Yeah, he's the bad guy. His name is Scorpius. Scorpius, yeah. Like, like, just very, very clearly delineated like character design and stuff like that. But like, also it was like there was something like a little Star Warsy about it, just because of all the the puppets and and like uh, creatures that were involved. Because like. You know, a lot of the other, just by necessity of of budget and stuff like that, uh, like you know the Gene Roddenberry shows and uh, shows adjacent had very like humanoid kind of aliens, just because like it's like you don't want somebody to sit in like a makeup chair 
uh, forever. Yeah, that is not a problem that Farscape was worried about because the yeah. prosthetics on that show, even on Aliens, if it's not a puppet alien, the prosthetics are incredible. Um, this, the budget on this show must have been insane, and maybe that's why it's shot in Australia. Um, but it, it's definitely, you're right to say, like, spooky is not a bad word for it. There's definitely a lot of, like, very serious, like, life or like when i talk about how like the main guy like Crichton like literally goes crazy like it is uh, this the guy oh, fuck what's his name browder john no his name's not browder and his last name's browder ben browder ben browder i think is the main guy who played john Crichton, and he is just being asked to give the he he gives an incredible form performance truly because like all of the like shit that's happening to him is happening in his character's head so he has to be out here giving the largest performance of all time to like make sure that it's being communicated what's happening that we as the audience literally cannot see. Like it's it's really layered and I think that it's a really interesting sci-fi show when held up against other sci-fi shows of the era. Like even when you saying like, Oh, this isn't Babylon 5. There is, I think, a brief part of me that when I started rewatching this, thought it was Babylon 5, and then realized it was a different show. Like, yeah. it's it's just such a weird show because it's trying so hard to fit the, like, sci-fi aesthetics of that era, which is Babylon 5, Stargate, um, whichever Star Trek was on at that time. Was it Deep Space Nine? I don't know. I'm not a Star Trek person. But, like, trying really hard to, like, match that aesthetic of 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 sci-fi shows and, like, keep the it, it's just it's such a weird show i can't explain it it's such a weird show the vibe of it is so strange um but it's such a cool dichotomy and it's a super weird show their budget was obviously insane i'm obsessed with the production design the the makeup and prosthetics are incredible um like as a production piece like it's definitely worth checking out you may not be as committed to watching all four seasons of it as i am although there's one really really crucial episode in the first season that is for some reason the only episode not available in there's, like, one episode per season that's just, like, not available to stream for some reason, and they're always ones that, like, introduce characters that we then see later, which I realized because it was, like, auto-playing, and I didn't realize it had missed an episode until a character came up, and, and I was like, hold on, I've been watching these in order. Who the fuck is this person? <laughs> and I had to, like, go back and look, and I realized that both in season one and season two, there's, like, just one episode that isn't licensed for streaming, and both of those episodes are, like, very important story-wise. So weird. Yeah. Yeah, just distribution is 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 weird like the the streaming distribution situation is very strange very arcane yeah it's it's super weird but anyway that's that's what i'm into this week so uh speaking of multi-ball <laughs> multi-ball yeah, multi-ball <laughs> i actually had a good transition unlike brandon per usual that's fine this, this I was going to say, speaking of things that uh, can be super varied and have insane cool production design but not always work. <laughs> okay, and now, now do yours, Brandon. Multi-ball, yeah. multi-ball, <laughs> yeah. multi-ball. Exactly, now, pinball. Bing, 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 bing. Tilt. We're here actually to talk about pinball. So anyway, uh, Alex, what what is... T tell us what you like about pinball, because... Yes, it is a game oh. of skill, but I think that whenever people talk, at least in my experience, when people talk about pinball, it's not the actual playing of the game pinball that we enjoy. <laughs> Ooh, what, what do I like about pinball? Why Why are we here? Why Why do any of us exist? Um, no, that one uh, I cannot answer. 
pin pinball is like um it's it's so much more well first off it's like in in the states we didn't really get uh the same sort of arcade culture that that was like in um like japan and uh korea and a lot of the places that uh came up with sort of a different branch of like like a uh, electronic like like publicly available like gaming and pinball as far as i know and i'm i'm definitely not an expert but um it's like a very like european thing that kind of came uh from the west and and eventually like just blew up in like the late 60s 70s and 80s and it was like one of the things that like you go to any bar any roadhouse uh or or any arcade and it's like there's probably like a a machine there and so i think there's this like weird sense of like a like a secret handshake and a community that's always kind of been uh behind it that it's like you're you're like a like a super a super geek but then on top of that there's just like the physical act of playing pinball which is like there's there's a large element of of chance to it like obviously there's a lot of skill involved but it's like sometimes you it's just you get screwed and uh that's that's pinball baby it's like gravity's just gonna do what it's gonna do it's one of those games too that we i think that we think of it as like having emerged fully formed just because of like where we are in history but it like reading i I did a little bit of like googling about it because like i said i I don't know anything about it either. And we don't expect people to be experts, but I at least read a Wikipedia page before I come on. And uh, (laughs) it's like, we think of it emerging as fully formed, but you're right. It did start in Europe and it started from like becoming a tabletop version of lawn games. Pinball is essentially like the magnetic travel version of chess you take in the car, but for like bocce and billiards. (laughs) And then it just became its own thing. What's the one where you drop the the chip like plinko? A plinko or, or pachinko? Is, is pachinko. Pachinko. It, what, what, I, maybe I'm saying the Price is Right version of it, but yeah. I think that's what I call it too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's plinko. Pachinko is the uh, the thing that uh, Konami makes now. Yeah. Oh. Instead of Metal Gears. But then it just like became more and more advanced. So like the the spring launcher was invented in like the late 18th century, and then like had to become mainstream for it to like become its own game. For a while, it was just like the 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 knockoff tabletop version of lawn games. Yeah, yeah. And then like flip flippers got added to like basically get people involved and make them feel like they were more in control than they were. And that's how it kind of became the the, the coin op kind of situation. God, isn't that the human experience? Trying to just make you think you have more control than you do. But like that's that's also like the dragon that you chase because like the first time you really blow up a pinball machine and it like does all these like crazy fun satisfying things you hit all the modes there's lights there's music and uh, that's the thing that i feel like um some of the 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 people that are still in the pinball business right now like stern that are still making like really big machines they have like kind of cornered this market of like what 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 are people into and then how do we make it loud and flashy and fun and like fun to play because there's a lot there are a lot of pinball tables that are like just awful to play like they're 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 designed to be terrible uh they're designed to steal money from you and like there's like a weird schadenfreude that like i think people enjoy particularly since the reason i got into pinball was like through uh like a pinball league in 
in LA and there there's there's sort of like a, a weird amount of brinksmanship where it's just like oh yeah like let's play this game or that game because they're just like terrible there's a podcast called stuff you should know and they did an episode entirely about the history of pinball oh that's awesome and it really talked a lot about the early days when it was like looked at as this like counterculture you know like ugh, the kids are playing pinball what are they gonna get into next you know which like added a lot of context to make Tommy make a lot more sense right but one of the things that uh, they talked about is I, I don't remember the name of the guy but there was this like congressional hearing or, or, or maybe the Senate or something about pinball where one of the people who had sort of like perfected either making or, or playing pinball um, went to Congress to prove that pinball wasn't gambling because that was like the thing that that at the time is people thought that pinball was just gambling for kids. And so this guy rolls up to Congress really, really good at pinball to show them, no, look, I can make this shot every time if I try. I can do, I can control it perfectly. This isn't just random, like this is a game of skill. Which I think was really interesting and, and kind of what led to culturally people being like, oh yeah, I guess I guess pinball's fine. Yeah. And then they wrote Tommy. <laughs> I think that that, that that sort of like weird sort of puritanical like uh, uh, scapegoating has always like landed on something. It doesn't surprise me that, that pinball was in the crosshairs for a little while because it was like it was probably an escape. It's like, you know, uh, you can't, you know, go out to bars. You can't, you know, do, you know, fun, fun stuff, you know, that has a, a sort of age limit on it. You, you go down to you know the the corner store and you play pinball and and that is where you spend your money and you get good at it maybe or or maybe you don't or maybe you get good at it and then you don't play for uh, a year and a half and then you go back to your favorite pinball joint last night and you get your ass kicked and you lose a bunch of quarters who knows uh but um it's it's definitely like not not a game of chance like there's definitely like so much that is just like um up up to physics it's not that it's not a game of chance it's just that like at a certain point the ball is at a certain velocity and physics gonna physics like exactly i think the cool thing that is like sort of addicting about it is that there is this sort of like free radical element that you just kind of have to accept because it's like grounded in our own reality whereas like you know if you play a coin op game it's like really tough like uh I don't know, like X-Men or like the original Streets of Rage or, or something like that. Uh, it's like there there is a uh, a program that is deciding all these variables for you. It's like tough, but you can also, you know, just like walk away from being like, oh, this is bullshit, man. It's like the computer this, the computer that. Like with pinball, there's this like sort of element of like almost tennis that's involved where it's like if something goes wrong, you have no one to blame but yourself. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pinball is a game of chance as much as billiards is a game of chance, which again, they, they share a common, like, if this were a, like, evolutionary tree, they share a common ancestor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I think is, like, really fascinating because it's just, like, for the longest time, you know, one of the things that's, like, really amusing for human beings is to watch just, like, different things, like, smash against each other. <laughs> it's literally all YouTube is, if you... If you think about it, and and Pornhub too, I guess, but mostly YouTube. 
pin, pinball and billiards, YouTube, Pornhub. Or just pe- just things slamming into each other. <laughs> fair, fair. And seeing yeah. what happens. Yeah, balls, balls, and holes all around. Will it balls? <laughs> uh, and there's always some, like, Swedish guy narrating it, and it makes you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, I know, I know. Wait, Swedish guys are narrating pinball? What? I think I missed something. Uh, no, and... Uh, uh, the the guy who narrates the hydraulic press channel is this like oh. Here's the thing. I've never once watched it with the sound on. That's fair. I don't I don't think I have either. Well, maybe I have. I don't know. Yeah, you guys are probably right to do that. I don't watch any video with sound on unless Brandon Brandon knows this too. So when he texts me things, he'll have to be like, I need you to watch this with the sound on because I won't. And if it's too long and seems like it doesn't have generated captions, I'll just look at how long the timestamp is, wait like 30 seconds longer than that, and then just type back nice. <laughs> I won't watch the video. Yep. I'm terrible. Uh, I, I, I've been... I've been guilty of, of similar things. Um, wait, so I have a question. Have either of you played pinball recently or not so recently? So I would say a year ago, right before quarantine, we went to Vegas to see um, a college friend's show, and we stopped at the pinball museum on our way out of Vegas. Yeah, that place whips. Oh, yeah. Was that the one on Fremont Street? No. Maybe? No. No, it's not on Fremont. Well, I think they moved in the past year to like a new location, but no, it's just like a warehouse like just outside of it's like not with the rest of the vegas stuff (laughs) yeah okay and it's just like a shitty little building that they filled with pinball machines and other old like mechanical arcade games interesting interesting yeah it's just tons and tons of different uh yeah different pinball machines from i think the earliest one is like the 20s i think it says it's kind of like near the airport actually pinball hall of fame i believe is what it's called Oh yeah, I okay. Now now I am familiar with with what you're talking about. Yeah, they did visit visit us at our new location. Yeah, so they did move. But yeah, it's just they've got tons and tons of games from like as early as like the 20s and 30s all the way to like modern ones. It's it's super cool. There's like there's quarter ones and there's 10 cent ones and there's penny ones oh penny pinball my dad has a actually i don't know if it's still there but for a long time my dad had a a a 10 cent pinball machine that's like a real classic pinball machine that worked that was in his uh garage and i think it still is we used to just open it and hit the switch but he also had some dimes there's a 10 cent machine at um at uh, the Jackal offices, they they the studio that ran AOK um, had like a a pinball a pinball machine at their office in Santa Monica, um, and it was it, I th- yeah yeah I know I think it was a Gottlieb machine from like the 30s or 40s or something like that. It was it was old, which was like kind of cool. What are some of your favorite tables? That is a good question. I was going to ask you guys if you remembered anything that you played that you were like super into. Well, I weirdly I grew up kind of having some pinball machines. Uh like my dad just would buy them every so often. And I think we sw- we like switched between like four or five of them over the course of my youth. We had one based on the movie Maverick with Mel Gibson. That's awesome. We had the South Park machine, which is a pretty good machine, but they turned it onto PG mode. So, like, there was no swearing, and uh, 
Terrence and Philip would burp instead of farting, which bothered me so deeply from like a character point of view. <laughs> but my dad did not care. That's that's their that's their thing. That's what they do. Oh yeah. And and I think the last machine I really played a lot was when we were in Portland for my birthday a couple years ago. Beth had gotten sick, so I just went out to this like to ground control, I think, by myself. And spent about $8 playing the Guardians of the Galaxy pinball machine for, like, four hours. And that's a real good one. It is a really good one. Um, I think it is also designed by... Um, I have to remember his name. Um, so, like, uh, to answer your question, um, my my favorite machine in recent memories is Stern Table, uh, uh, designed after, like the like iron maiden like top five or six songs or whatever and it is so cool um it is uh i think 2017 maybe which is the same year as as guardians of the galaxy like guardians of the galaxy was the next stern table oh okay. after that um but um uh keith is the name of the designer keith elwin is a professionally ranked pinball player with multiple uh, PAPA victories. Uh, and he is internationally ranked uh, at, towards the top. Um, and in 2017, he was hired by Stern Pinball as a game designer. So he uh, has like come to the, the design uh, stage of his life late, but that, just from playing like a fuck ton of pinball. And he actually owned, if I'm remembering correctly, part of uh the arcade bar that i was like frequenting for a little while here in la and i just went to for the first time in forever last night called 82 which is in downtown la and they had a lot of really like cool pinball folks that like ran the league there was this woman molly who ran the league for uh several years but also had like a like a secret spot up in the valley where she basically just had a garage of her own tables that she would like open at certain days of the week and the local pinball crowd scene in la would like be up there or there's another place if you really want to go check stuff out now that things are open is uh, a korean barbecue restaurant called ace gogi uh which is in van nuys of all places okay a a a y c e gogi g-o-g-i um and they've got a ton of really like legit custom premium um sometimes bespoke uh, premium like pinball machines out there that like designers have like personally built for um the guy who owns the place up there i i don't know who who's responsible for all that but i know that there are a lot of really cool people that kind of come through um so yeah that's that's i think that's where i played guardians for the first time like a couple years ago it was uh it was like a a, a custom like uh painted guardians machine like the the back glass and all that stuff on like the the dmd was all like customized um it's really really cool. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on their page now. This this place looks rad, and I've got a good selection to the Led Zeppelin pinball machine. Yeah, that's that's like pretty recent. There's there's been like a a a, a spate of like uh like like classic rock band tables. The least favorite of which uh, was like um uh Aerosmith, which is like not a bad table, but like the um. It was like this weird transition period from like where they were going to like um, LCD screens instead of DMD, like digital media displays for 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 the uh, 
for the back glass and um it, it doesn't just, really like, work well I, it, it's not that it didn't really work it's that they chose like some weird sort of like flash style animation instead of like a real like footage of aerosmith or something like that it just looks goofy it's really weird yeah i think that and i think one of the reasons that like i love the idea of the pinball hall of fame being in las vegas is because i feel like pinball machines like slot machines seem to sometimes just be you come in and you're just like really that's what they licensed okay okay sure yeah like anybody will just license their property to be a pinball machine whether it makes sense or not <laughs> and it often has nothing to do with like the fun of like the table like you'll you'll go into any like hall with like multiple legit pinball machines and the 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 things that will be like occupied are never like necessarily the best tables it's always the ones with like the biggest uh properties attached to them so like the game of thrones machine like the avengers table um the lord of the rings machine which are, like th those are all like fine but it's like if you really want to get into pinball you like put somebody on like medieval madness or or yeah. uh, attack from mars which are basically variants of like the same design but they're like mm -hmm. uh they're like really good solid fun tables but they're also like kind of engaging and um interesting for for beginners because there's like a clear goal and objective like what's hard when you start playing pinball is like just knowing what the fuck is going on oh i can never tell what i'm supposed to be doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but there is there is a rhyme and reason to it like you 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 have like goals and objectives and stuff like that and it, it'll often take you like several times with the same table to just like kind of understand sort of what you're trying to do and like the general like steez uh that you you kind of have to carry into any pinball uh uh game is that you're you're there are many objectives that are usually decided by a mode that you set up front and this is all like stuff like you were saying wasn't fully formed um but like definitely came out of tables in like the late 70s and the 80s where you would have like modes so you'd shoot a number of shots or um you'd, you'd hit orbits which are like big like uh tracks that kind of take the ball up around to the back of the table and then back down again really rapidly um spinners and stuff like that like you'd have small little objectives on the table and then once you hit enough of those you'd unlock like some sort of mode and usually the progression in a pinball table is like you hit all of those modes at some point and then you unlock like what's called a wizard mode and that's like sort of like the final boss of the table and wizard mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that obviously comes from like the term pinball wizard. There has to be a trick. There are like trick modes too. Like one of my favorite moments playing pinball was like the Ghostbusters machine that was at 82 um, had like a midnight madness mode where sometimes there's uh, there are special modes that are just like programmed into like the, the CPU's clock. And uh, I, like I was in the middle of a game and it was like, you know, late on a Tuesday because that's when like league nights were. And um, it, there are certain rules for for league, like, you know, you don't play extra balls. Uh, it's like a th three ball kind of a game. But like anything outside of that was like kind of undefined. So like in the middle of one of my games um, that we hit like a like a midnight madness on uh, Ghostbusters, like the entire table, just like like my flippers stopped functioning so i thought like something had been like fucked up on the table and then like everything starts to like go 
dark, but like not like immediately like the power had gone off. It was just kind of like fading and dwindling. Like all the like lights on it were like kind of dim, and then it just went like completely black. And I was like, did I just break this thing? And then like I was like jiggling it, and it was responding to like like every time I jiggled it, the lights would kind of like uh like come back up for a little bit, and then all of a sudden like the whole thing like just like burst to life again and it was like a secret mode it was like midnight madness multi-ball and it was like like a oh, like a fuck. five five <laughs> ball multi-ball where i was just like oh my god like trying to just like keep up with it uh and it was like very generous to my score so then there was like a debate about whether or not that should be included with like my my score for the night but they programmed it into the game. Yeah. So you didn't do anything that the game didn't want you to do. Exactly. So, like, I mean, that's kind of where we arrived at, and I definitely ended up, like, on top of, of that table for the night. Like, it's different than if you've tilted the machine. Like, it's not like, it's not like you broke it. It's supposed to do that. But also, like, at high-level pinball play, like, tilting is, like, absolutely a part of the game. And that's also something that's, like... Um, it is decided by like basically a little lead weight. It's, there's no like like accelerometer or gyroscopes in the tables. Oh yeah, it's not that hard. Maybe there is now, but like it it you can vary the sensitivity of like the tilt. Like that's something that like the house will set. So it's really interesting to watch people because like eventually you get to a level of play where you just legitimately have to know that specific table that you're playing, and that's like the other thing that I like about pinball is that, like ultimately it becomes like this intimate kind of exercise with you and the physical object that you're like playing. There's like a relationship that you've established. You kind of know the bends and the twists and the curves and like how like much the table is waxed and all these things can kind of change from like week to week or depending on how often you play. So there's like more of like a variable relationship to it, which is kind of cool. It's also, yeah. And it's also really specific to the machine. It's not like, you know, you're good at Call of Duty. You can play Call of Duty on your PS, on your PlayStation. You can play, Call, I don't know, I think it's Microsoft only, whatever. But you get what I mean. You can play Call of Duty or any video game is, a, the experience is the same. You know, yes, there's like controllers or whatever, but it's much different than like two X-Men pinball machines may play very differently depending on how long they've been played, how hard they've been played, how many times they've been serviced. Uh, you know, like it doesn't, it, not every pinball machine plays exactly the same. And so you're right. It is this like, especially like older machines, like talking about a tilt, like there are older machines where like you could get a little hump just by giving the thing a good hump. Newer machines, they're a little sturdier. <laughs> I mean, and a good hump doesn't hurt. <laughs> good doesn't hurt yeah pinball is the only game where you're just watching people constantly just like thrust their hips against the machine while they're playing it's just like instinctual like you just do it and it's all part of the fun like it's yeah. like uh you have to actually get good at learning how to like tilt and or not tilt but like also like be like a little bit of uh uh, a, a, a rebel rouser with with machines sometimes to save your ball and i've never been really good with it never roused a rabble in my life i don't believe you <laughs> <laughs> that's fair you shouldn't it was always sort of funny to me that like every so often i would look up like what are the like consensus best pinball machines because i find pinball fascinating i just don't i just am not as deep into it as you are and it's so funny that, like, the consensus ones that are, like, the best are always things that, like, you wouldn't expect. Like, the two that I saw for the longest time were Adam's Family Values and, uh -huh. Epi and Star Wars Episode One, which has this weird, like, 
uh, computer monitor in the back of the table. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like I said, it's like not at all necessarily like attached to like what you might like about what whatever was like licensed for the table. It's like it, it is how the table plays and like the feeling that you get while you're playing it. It's it's the the skin really doesn't matter so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think another one I think that's like pretty popular like consensus wise is the Twilight Zone machine which is which is just like super intense uh medieval madness that i mentioned before is like another big sort of mainstay although somewhat more recent i think um yeah there there are a couple of tables that are just like even if they're not like uh licensed or branded in a way that you're like oh yeah like let's play the terminator 2 machine uh the terminator 2 machine is like legendary as being like one of the the, the cooler pinball tables yeah, and it's like again, it's like that handshake. If you know, if you know which tables are cool, and you see somebody playing that table, like out of like a uh, like a big hall that has like a bunch of like you know uh, licensed stuff like Spider Man or like Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars stuff that's like you know easy to like gravitate to. Not that any of those tables are bunk, but like if you see somebody like blowing up like <laughs> fishtails or or uh, uh, a roller roller madness i think is what it's called there's like a, like a big sort of like a uh with a drive in on it oh yeah yeah uh uh creature from the black lagoon uh those are all like like solid tables that like if you see somebody who's like just like running that table you're like okay you actually know what's up see i'm not good at pinball but i really like picking the machine that just looks like it was the most ill advised license um <laughs> Like Bally's Smokey and the Bandit 3, Smokey is the Bandit pinball machine. Yeah, I, I, p- I pick them because I'm going to be bad at it no matter what, and I'm never going to understand what I'm doing. I always pick it based on whichever one just has the most confusing vibe <laughs> and be like, that's the one I want to play. I mean, that that's how you picked me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think actually that usually reaps like the, the most rewards. If you're just like going into a, a situation, you're just like, I, I know – what who like iron man is but like what if i played this like wacky game about fishing like i guarantee you you're gonna have more fun playing wacky fishing game what if i play this one from the 50s that says jungle madness and is almost definitely racist but what is happening (laughs) exactly exactly because like there's sometimes like weird things that were like really popular at a certain point like um uh what's the one that i'm thinking of there's like a this is this is why you need like a pinball expert in, in the mix. Nah. There's like one that I used to play, that's like um, it's like a a, a rally like a, a moto rally race. Oh, and then okay. Like the back glass has a, a separate like vertical game. So like there's a, a ramp that you shoot. Oh yeah, and you can race the cars. I've played this one. And then you like basically have to play this like um game um which is basically like a weird version of like cup ball where you like using flippers to like carefully move the pinball up higher and higher into the back glass game and i used to play this all the time i i don't know why i'm blanking on the name but it's it's like fun fun gimmicky stuff like that is always more cool than like playing the star wars game i love one that has like a very clear mini game like that like i understand what the secondary game is there are some that like my ball will suddenly just disappear and then like the screen will be like you're playing the bonus game get it in and i'm like i'm sorry what are the i just figured out the rules now you're changing them right (laughs) big lebowski pinball has a miniature bowling alley in the center of the table 
that is like its mini game that after a certain point you can just start bowling. That's awesome. Yeah. It's another game that has similar roots. I was playing the Monopoly game last night, which was like actually really zany and fun. And like, it's just because like it had a lot of ramps that you could shoot and the the game was kind of clear because it was like sort of built around Monopoly. Yeah, I was going to say that one, I feel like because it's based off a game I already know how to play, like I could probably piece it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadway, Broadway, Broadway. <laughs> Basically, I just remember laughing because, like, I wiped out on, like, a really epic, like, third ball. My last ball on that machine was, like, ended up being really great. And then, like, somehow, uh, the, the, after I drained, the thing that popped up on the, the DMD was, like, the dog wins. And I was, like, was I the dog? Was I the top hat? Was I the, like, I don't know. But it was just, like, like, sort of, like, this, like, like, y- you died sort of style text, but it was just, like, the dog one. The dog one. What would you say is the Dark Souls of pinball? Oh, that is a really good question. I would say that, like, because the 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 Souls games are like really like old school kind of like uh, punishing, almost like arcade style uh, uh, experiences. That I I think you'd have to go to some of the stuff that's like pre. Um, pre-electronic or like if not like that first era of like the 50s games like uh like stars is like a is a pretty analog table like one of those ones where you could like flip the score back to zero that's like the one my dad had in his garage because it was a really old style one too that still had like much smaller flippers so like the number of games i've played in that garage and then just had there was nothing i could do about the physics of the ball just went between the two flippers and there was nothing i could have done about it except standing yeah. there with a thousand yard stare just like are you fucking kidding me Any, anything what was i that, supposed to do about that <laughs> anything that looks like it's like made mostly out of wood is like gonna be a uh a really uh, punishing experience because there's no ball save on it. There's no um, backup there. It's usually just targets, two shots and a couple of bumpers. And the bumpers are always like, like the, the whole um, build of like uh, pinball machines has usually have like these bumpers that are like right before the flippers. The idea being that like, if you don't kind of get a ball that like, uh, heads toward the flippers in a way that you can kind of manipulate it and control it or catch it. It might hit one of these bumpers, which like could just like pop it back up onto the table, or it could like send it like over into one of the out lanes, which will drain your ball. And so it's like always this like element of like uh, a little bit of chance <laughs> when you when you get to uh, to that zone on the table where it's like either you're going to be back in control of the ball or it's like out of your hands completely. So Alex Vaughn, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today uh, to play the Silver Balls. Silver Balls are my favorite. So um, if anyone out there from Soho down to Brighton wanted to find more Alex Vaughn-related content on their internet, how could they do that? If you want them to. Otherwise, you can be like, hey, fuck off, leave me alone. We've had that be an answer. <laughs> Just specifying. Yeah. I, I like... I've been in quarantine and in pandemic mode for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. I need attention. Yep. Um, you can give me that attention on Instagram <laughs> at oh no dot Alex Vaughn A L E X V A U G H A N. I almost never get that extra A N before the last N, but you can do it. Extra A like Stevie Ray. Um, if you want to find more of my uh garbage, 
Um, I'm all over the internet at Hell Yes Brandon. Um, working on an album, working on finishing my EP. Uh, Inkblot is uh, out and about. We're working on some new stuff. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, my other band, Inappropriate Things. Uh, you can find our uh, EP and single from a couple years ago that I didn't play on because I didn't know them a couple years ago, but it's still pretty good anyway, um, on Spotify and I'm sure elsewhere uh, around the internet. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I don't really have anything else. Uh, yeah, no, I still have nothing to plug, but you can find me everywhere online at, at bscores, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S, with an underscore at the end. But the easiest way to find me would be to follow the podcast online. You can follow us on Twitter at, at IntuitPod, and you can follow us on Instagram at hashtag IntuitPod. We also have a Facebook page if you get any mileage out of that. Uh, like I said, we're not going to be doing our Twitch show live on the pack anymore, um, but stay tuned. We may start doing it on the Indiesaurus Twitch uh, later this year because we do have a lot of fun doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, that'll be pretty cool. Thank you, as always, to Kalen West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is Like Flying. And hey, thanks to Indiesaurus for having us on the network. Go to Indiesaurus.com. Check out all the other cool shows they've got. Uh, we have a pretty cool podcast family. And uh, we also have a Discord. We haven't plugged the Indiesaurus Discord in a little while. There is an Indiesaurus Discord. If you go to Indiesaurus.com and go all the way to the bottom, you can find a invite link to the Discord right there. We've got an Intuit Pod channel on there uh, where, you know, you can post feedback about the show. You can post topics that you think we'd be into. You can just post things related to the show. I don't know, whatever you want. It's pretty chill. Uh, Beth, Beth posts a lot of cursed content on the Discord. I do post a lot of cursed content, but like I put it in the cursed channel. I don't put it oh, in yeah. the Intuit podcast uh, channel, though I will if y'all want No, I mean, that. you did put Come Dom DeLuise's egg trick in there, so, and I think that Okay, but you content. talked about Dom DeLuise's egg trick for like five minutes on the show and put audio of it up at the top of the show. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's still not cursed. Okay, but my point is, I didn't. I just don't want to be held responsible for Tom DeLuise's egg trick, cosmically. That's fair. I don't even know if he wanted to be responsible, because he blamed it on Roy Clark. Yeah, well, you know what? The whole segment ends with Johnny Carson putting an egg in his pants and punching himself in the balls. So, hey, yes. go watch Tom DeLuise's egg trick, I guess. Yes. After he did that to DeLuise twice, and then they spend the next five minutes going, ew. <laughs> Yeah, there it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. Anyway, the link to that is in our Discord and also I think in the show notes from as of recording last week, as of this coming out, I don't know, like a month ago, the King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard episode. Go check it out. Yeah. Uh yeah, that that's 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 all I got. Thanks again, Alex, for joining us and uh talking to us about pinball. Thanks for having me. And your me. pinball wizardry, and maybe we will see you out at a uh, arcade bar sometime soon. You now may. that we can all do that again. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So, all that being said, end of pod, end of pod, end of pod. I can keep it on the ground when I put that hammer down. And I'll be Texas bound and a flyer. I got my tin in the wind. Let it all hang out again. Cause how you gonna win if you ain't trying? Now, Smokey and the band is a tale you don't forget. Cause every time you hear an engine scream and whine. Well, you'll have to think about old man, old Buford, Frog, and Fred and Snowman. Their story is a legend that will live on in time. So if I can keep it on the ground when I put that hammer down, then I'll be Texas Brown.